Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. We're going to be continuing uh, with the theme of unity. Last week I preached from this same passage in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go back there today and kind of start going down through uh, some of these other verses that we haven't really dealt with yet. And uh, Sunday night we went to the book of Philippians, and there in the book of Philippians, Paul tells them in chapter 3 that it's not grievous to him to say the same things to them again. And when he's saying that, he's telling them, he says, if this sounds repetitious, don't let that bother you. Uh, repetition in the Bible is used for emphasis. Amen. And today I'm going to be taking you to a couple different passages where the Apostle Paul is repeating himself, where he is saying the same things and expounding on the same truths in multiple places to multiple people because what he's saying is important. And it is important that the church gets it. Amen. I'm glad that you're here this morning. I really am. Uh, And I'm glad that we've come together to worship the Lord. Hopefully, you've come to worship the Lord. And hopefully, you've come to receive something from the Word of God. Amen. Because I'll just tell you, I'm not going to tell any great jokes. Uh, I'm not going to be super entertaining. There's nothing really that I can give you that's worth your time of coming this morning from myself. But I'm going to try and give you God's Word. And if you'll receive God's Word, it will be good for you. Amen. Even when it's kind of, you know doesn't taste so good, you know, like medicine going down. And other times, it's as sweet as honey. It's crazy how that it can be both a comfort and yet sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. But that's what we need. So I hope this morning you've come looking for something from the Word of God. And if the Lord will help me, I want to preach this morning uh, from this passage. We'll read these uh, seven verses together from Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now we dealt with those verses, along with verse number 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We, we dealt with these verses last week, uh, speaking on the topic of the unity of the Spirit. And I told you this, that the unity of the Spirit is the unity of the brethren by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's the fact that we as brethren, as the children of God, can get along and be in unity because of the Holy Spirit. That if we are saved and we have within us the Holy Spirit, then that Holy Spirit will produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, long-suffering, love. And that because of that, we can endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. That is to say that it's not easy. An endeavor is something that takes work. Amen. Sometimes it takes work 
to like me. I'll just tell you. You can ask my wife. She'll tell you. Sometimes it takes work to like she's already leaving. See, I've already upset her. No, I'm just kidding. My son has decided that he's an old grump tail uh, here lately. So we are endeavoring sometimes at 3 a.m. when he won't just go to sleep to love him like we should. Amen. It's like, son, I love you, but if you don't stop, I'm going to lock you in the van. Amen. The unity uh, that we keep sometimes is an endeavor, which teaches us it's something we've got to work at. Some of y'all are thinking, would you really do that? No, I wouldn't really do that, as far as you know. But uh, the, fact, <laughs> the fact is, sometimes it's work to keep the peace. Amen. It's work. But we can do that because of the Holy Spirit. Well, today I want to start with the verse number four where Paul gives what are called, they're often called the seven bonds of unity. And a bond is something that ties something together, like a glue, makes it stick together. In the bonds of unity, unity is built on seven things. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, he says this, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I want to talk about the first bond of unity this morning, which is the unity of the body. The unity of the body. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come back once again to your house. God, this morning I am weak in the flesh, Lord, and I am lowly. And God, I am unworthy to stand and deliver your word. But God, I pray if you would, Lord, that you'd use me as a willing vessel. God, that you'd fill me with your spirit and help me, God, to deliver the message from your word with power and unction from the Holy Spirit. God, not only, God, do I pray for the power of your spirit in the preaching, but God, I pray for the power of your spirit in the listening. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would unite us this morning in this service, God, that every soul under the sound of my voice would have an ear turned toward the things of God. Lord, that they would have a heart that is softened and ready and listening, Lord, ready to receive the Word of God, Lord, that it might work in us to transform us, God, to work in the renewing of our minds, in the renewing of our hearts, Lord, that we might be brought closer to You. God, that we might be brought closer to that image, God, of what You want us to be. Help us to be united this morning in the service, Lord. We love You. We can do nothing without you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The unity of the body. Last week I talked about the unity of the Spirit, and the unity of the body is, the, it is the unity of the brethren as one body together in Christ. Now this word body, we're going to look, we'll just go ahead and hop right in for the, for the rest of the, of the sermon. I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is writing the book of 1 Corinthians to a church, the church of Corinth, that is, uh, in a word, bad. It's a bad church. You know why it's a bad church? Because it's a church full of sin and disunity. And when I say bad, I mean in the eyes of God, this church is in a bad way. It is a church that is overcome with absolutely wicked sin and disunity and they're acting like heathens and they're barely even holding it together. And when Paul sends them the, the, the letter of the book of 1 Corinthians, it is a very, very strict and harsh 
uh, you know, it's preaching, if you will. It's hard preaching in the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, Paul gives some, some softening of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Even he deals with some, and he deals with a lot of important things in the book of 1 Corinthians and how to deal with people in the church who are in direct rebellion to the Word of God and refuse to turn back. And he deals with a lot of things. But in chapter 12, he begins to teach them about the diversities of gifts and how that God has, has given to each man severally according uh, as He will of these different gifts. And, and just for the sake of, of giving you a, a bigger picture here, I'm going to read down through these first 11 verses that kind of build a little bit of a, of a, a foundation, if you will. Uh, so let me read those to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, the Bible says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto dumb, uh, unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. And when he says dumb, he doesn't mean that in the derogatory sense. He means that they did not speak. Because they were not gods. They were not true. They were not real. They had no divine power, no divine speaking. And there was nothing in them. They were dumb. They were speechless. They had no effect. They were weak. And he says, even as you were led, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same capital S, Spirit. That's the same Spirit that he spoke of there in our text verse where he spoke of keeping uh, the unity of the capital S, Spirit. So we understand there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. He's talking about the church. And how that if we are, one, if we are the church, one together, in spite of the fact that there are diversities of gifts and, and differences of administrations and diversities of operations, that we may do things this way here, and they may do things that way there in terms of their operations and in terms of their administrations, that if we're all saved, we're all in the same spirit. Isn't that what he's saying? But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the spirit by the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another, divers kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So in verse 11, Paul is saying that God decides who to give what gifts. Amen. He decides who are going to be the wise ones and who are going to be the strong ones and who are going to be the smart ones and who are going to be the musically talented ones and who are going to be the preachers and who are going to be the teachers and who are going to be the evangelists and who are going to be the deacons and, and that God decides that and He gives the spiritual gifts that we need to fulfill those roles. Amen. That's the basis of what He's going to begin saying in verse number 12. And in verse number 12, He begins to define the body of Christ. So number one, speaking of the unity of the body, first in verses 12 and 13, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see the forming of the body. The forming of the body in verse 12. For as the body is one, and hath many members, 
And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So in verse 12, he is talking first about the symbol of the body. Under this idea of the forming of the body, we see the symbol of the body. When you look at verse 12, literary folk would say that it's a metaphor. That Paul is, has created a metaphor here for us to help us understand how that the church is like a body. But can I tell you this? Scripturally, this is not a, this is not a metaphor that Paul is describing. What it is, is it is a spiritual truth. It is a spiritual reality. It's not that the church is like a body. The church is the body of Christ, spiritually. Not physically, but spiritually. We are the body of Christ. And that each of us is a part of that body. In another place, the church is called a spiritual building. That we are all lively stones in the building of that church. And that's what we are. The point stands is this, that the, the symbol that's given to us, Paul mentions it again in Romans 12, 3. I'll read it to you. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, listen, being many, are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. We are one body in Christ. We're not like one body in Christ. We are one body in Christ. It's easy for you to separate it if you see it as a metaphor. Well, it's just, it's just fancy words to help us understand a concept. But that's not what it is. We are one body in Christ. I don't want to get ahead of myself. We see the symbol of the body. He says this, he reads that there, and he describes how our body is one thing. It's one, one, organ, one thing, right? One complete thing. Your physical body, that it is comprised of many members. Amen. Some you can see and some you can't, like your kidneys, you know, your liver. It's all a part of what builds you up into one thing. And if something doesn't work right, you know it. Amen. We are, like our body is one thing and has many members, so also is Christ. There we see the Savior of the body. Let me ask you a simple question. How does someone become a part of the body of Christ? What do you got to do? You've got to be saved. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear that in the moment of salvation, that you become a new creature. Now, that word creature, it, it, it has the word create in it. It's a part of creation. You are remade when you are saved. When you're saved, you are born again. No, not physically. When the Lord Jesus told that to Nicodemus, Nicodemus said, how can a man enter again into his mother's womb? Which is, which is you know, he's thinking at it from a physical standpoint. But Jesus explains to him, that the things that are of the, of the flesh are flesh, and things that are of the Spirit are spirit. And that being born again is being remade in the Spirit, and by doing so, you are remade as a part of the body of Christ. The spiritual body of Christ. You're a part of it. Now, have you been saved? Well, a couple of you have. Have the rest of you been saved? 
Amen. If you've been saved, and here's what that means. You're not like a part of the body of Christ. You're not like a member of the body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ. Whether you are in submission or whether you are in rebellion, you are a part of the body of Christ as much as my pinky finger here is a part of my physical body. There is no separation. There is no distinction. If you're saved, you're a part of the body. Is that simple enough? The Bible teaches us in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. This can only be done through the Savior of the body. And that Savior is given to us there at the end of verse 12 where it says this, So is Christ. So is Christ. That's what it is. That so also is Christ. We are a part of His body. If you've been saved, do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you know Him as your Savior? Amen. Does He live in you? Then you're a part of the body. Whether you want to be or not, you just are. You're a part of the body of Christ, that you are one with Christ, and He's one with you. And He either is or He isn't. There is no, well, I'm saved, but I, I'm kind of, I, me and Jesus, we've got our own thing going on. No, it's you, Jesus, and every other saved individual on the entire earth. You and all them. Now, we've all got our own thing going on, and it's salvation. But there's no separation in salvation. Is that clear? We see the symbol of the body is that, that Paul tells us it's not just a metaphor. The church is a part. We are one body in Christ. That because of Christ, we are one. Whether we act like it or not, we are one. Amen. Then we see the sign of the body. Next, after the Savior, we see the sign of the body says this, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now we all understand that we are not saved by water baptism. Amen. We understand that water baptism is a sign of our salvation. It is a symbolistic thing. It's something that we do. But when it comes to baptism, this here says this, for by one, what's that next word? Capital S, Spirit. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. So under this idea of the sign, we see first there's a true baptism. That true baptism was spoken of in Luke chapter 3, verse 15, as the people were in expectation and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were Christ or not. And they were looking at John the Baptist, who was baptizing people, and preaching repent, and they thought, you know what, maybe John is the Christ. But John was just baptizing them with water as a sign of their repentance from sin and turning back to God. And when John heard that, here's what he said in verse 16. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and with fire. Our verse here in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians says this, by one spirit we are all baptized in one body. You know what makes us part of one body? The baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. You say, well, when did that happen? When you got saved. When you got saved, what Jesus did is He baptized you in the spirit, the blood, and the fire. You're washed away and all sins are gone a race as far as the east is from the west. And when you're baptized, you know we believe in immersion, full immersion, when we do water baptism. 
that you go completely down into the water and then you come completely back up. We don't, we don't believe in a sprinkling that we go down as the same way that Jesus did. But did you know that when you're baptized by the Spirit, it doesn't just get on the outside, but it gets on the inside too? I mean, it just gets all over and down deep inside. And then he literally is a true baptism of the Holy Ghost that it comes inside of you and that you're cleansed from sin and literally raised again from the dead. Amen. It's like you will go from being dead to alive. And it's not like that. It is that. That you are quickened in the Spirit with God that before you were lost and dead in trespasses and sins and that now you're raised again in the law of the Spirit and the Gospel. Amen. So we understand the true baptism. Then we see the type baptism. We hurry. And that is being baptized in the flesh. As as, uh, the Lord told them in Matthew chapter 28 to go and to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And that's why we do that. And by being baptized in the water, by getting dunked under and coming back up, here's what we're doing. We're saying out loud to everybody who can see, I am a part of the body of Christ. I'm a part of this. If you come here to this church, and you join this church, or you get saved in this church, and we baptize you in this baptistry, You're saying, I am a part of this body in Christ. Not only am I a part of the body in Christ, the greater body, but also the local body in Christ. That right here in this church, I'm a part. And I want everybody to know it. Dunking you in that cold or warm water, no matter where it is, if it's in a baptistry or in a tub or in the creek, hallelujah, like I was baptized, uh, it was cold. Or a, or a muddy lake, or wherever it was, that water didn't have one effect on your eternal value, your eternal security, and whether or not you're going to go to heaven. But what it did do is it yelled out to everyone who saw, I am a part of the body. We see not only the sign of the body, we see the spirit of the body. He said, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink into one spirit. It's like I just said a minute ago, when you're baptized and saved, It's not just something that washes over you, but it's something that you drink in. And that the Bible teaches us, and we spoke about it recently, how he said that he dwells in us. Does he? Are you saved? If you're saved, then we see the forming of the body takes place in salvation. That if you are saved, you are a part of the body. I I don't think I should have to say that again, right? Y'all got that right. If you're saved, you're a part of the body of Christ. Secondly, I want to point out something to you. We see the foolishness of the members. Amen. That sounds like a fun point, doesn't it? Verse 14. Look at it with me. 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 14. For the body is not one member, but many. First, we see the misunderstanding of the members. Their misunderstanding is this. Paul takes a moment and he says, now listen, the body... Is not one member, but many. The idea in a lot of people's minds is this. Well, I'm an island. Amen? I'm an island. You ever heard anybody say that? Well, maybe you used to be. I was, from about age zero to eight, I was an island. It was just me. I had a family, and I had friends or whatever. 
But inside it was just me. If you've been saved, you are not and never will be an island. You're not one member. You're one body and many members. That's what you are. You are not an island. You cannot be an island. You don't need to understand something. A lot of people think, well, yeah, you know what? I'm saved and I'm a Christian, but I'm just going to stay home. I'm not going to go back to church. I'm not going to go back and be a part of that. I'm just going to do my own thing. Let me tell you something. That is a misunderstanding. It's a myth. It's literally impossible for you to be alone. It's you are a part of the body of Christ. If you have been born again, you cannot do your own thing. It's impossible for you to please God and to be in disunity with the brethren. Have, have we established that? that it, you cannot please God and have pride and contention and discord in your heart. You just can't do it. It just can't be done. You're not an island. That's a misunderstanding. Verse 15. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now that's a rhetorical question. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, then where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? You know, I think it's interesting in verses 15 and 16 that he speaks about the foot and the ear. And he implies that the foot would rather be the hand. Well, that makes sense, right? Doesn't it? And he says that the ear would rather be the eye. And you know, the eye is the window to the soul, they say. That it takes in all the beauty of the world and all that stuff. So it makes sense, maybe, that the, the ear would rather be the eye. But he says, oh, I'm just an ear. Oh, I'm just a foot. I, I'm not really a part of the body. But is that true? No. But what if I say it? What if I say it a lot? What if I scream it from the mountaintops and post it on every single social media outlet that there is and put it in the newspaper and all the politicians are saying it? Is it true? So saying it has no effect on whether or not it's true. Huh. I wish the world would get a hold of that. Saying that you are not a part of the body because you're not the preacher doesn't make it true. Saying that you're not really a part because you didn't sing a special doesn't make it true. Saying that you're not really, you're not, let me say it like this, saying you're not as much of a part because what you do in your mind seems like a smaller, less important thing doesn't mean that it's true. And the devil's saying it in your heart and in your ear and down inside your mind and whispering to you and telling you, oh, you're not important. Nobody really cares if you're there. Doesn't make it true. It's just not true. we got to understand their mistake is this, that they begin to look around them at the other parts of the body and say, now that is a major part of the body. That is a big part of the church and a big part of what God's trying to do. But me, I'm not. I'm just the ear. I'm just the foot. I'm not the eye. I'm not the hand. I'm not a part. But then Paul says this, <clears throat> if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? How would it go if we came in here this morning and all of us were pastors? 
it wouldn't be any good. <laughs> That's right. How would it be if every single person in this church was some kind of, some kind of next level award winning singer? It would work. You know what there would be? Conflict. Every time, you know what, I, I, I got to say, I don't enjoy preaching to preachers. Is that funny to say? And, I, and, I'm, and if you're a preacher this morning, I'm not saying that to you. What I mean is this, y'all ever go to those preachers fellowships or hear about them or any of those? It's like, we'll we come in and there's, there's 30 or 40 or 50 preachers and pastors from all over the country. And they're all sitting there. And when you get up and preach, you think half of them are thinking, all right, let's see what you got. I don't, I don't enjoy that. I'm not interested in a preaching competition because I'll lose every time. I'm not interested in, in showing off or doing something, because, but that's not the way that it is. Not every man in this church is going to be a preacher. Not every man and woman in this church is going to be a Sunday school teacher or a singer or a musician or, or, a, you know, or, or working in bus ministry or working in the youth ministry or, or working in this or working in that. Not everybody in here is going to be a builder and not everybody in here is going to be a plumber. And not everybody in here is going to have whatever skill and whatever gift it is that God has given you that you are meant to take and use for His glory. Because the truth is this, we're all one body, but many members. Let me get to this next part. We see the Maker, verse 18, says this, <clears throat> But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased Him. You either believe this or you don't. You either believe this or you don't. God gives the gifts as it pleases Him. He chooses the pastor. He chooses the teacher. He chooses the musician by giving them the gifts to do it and leading God's people to that decision. Amen? Do we believe that or not? Oftentimes the conflict that comes into the body and people pointing fingers because they're the foot or they're the ear and they want to be the eye or they want to be the hand is because they are not happy with what God has given them. Now, the fact of the matter is this. We either believe that God has done it as this verse teaches us. Now hath God set the members. That means He's taken them in His hand and He's put them where they go. I said it like this. Every piece of the puzzle has its place. And we're not going to be in unity until every piece is in its place. Amen. That God decides where you fit and He puts you in there. That's why so many Christians, you see them, they fall out of church and you know what they do? Quit church. Now I've seen people leave a church. Recently I left my home church where I was a member. I mean my dad was my pastor from the time I was born. And with the same congregation since I was three and a half going on four years old. And I walked away from that congregation. And you know why I did that? Because God reached down and He plucked my piece up and He moved it over here to this puzzle and He put me in my place. I believe that as sure as I believe that I'm standing here today and my lower back is killing me. Amen. I believe it. And I can feel it. And I trust it. And I have faith in it. But you know what I see a lot of times? People, they reach into the puzzle and they pluck their piece up and they sit it over here in the box. God didn't go in and grab that piece and, and move them over to somewhere else. You know how I know? Because they're not somewhere else. They're at home. 
You really think that's where God wants you on Sunday morning when He said very plainly that we ought not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but much the more as you see the day approaching? No. What happens is people get mad, they get hurt, they look at it and say, you know what? That guy over there that's the eye, he shouldn't be the eye. That lady over there that she's the foot, she shouldn't be the foot. I should be the eye, or they should be the foot, or, or they should be that. And they forget that God is the one that sets the members as it hath pleased him. Do we believe that God is big enough to do that? Or do we not? It comes down to a matter of trust in God. Sometimes we've got to realize, like Paul told them in Romans chapter 12, or, or Romans chapter 8 maybe it was where I read, or it could have been 12, I'm not sure, where he told them, I'll pull back up here and see, in Romans 12, where he told them how that, that we are one body in Christ. Before he said that, he said this, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members, listen, we are one body in Christ, and that's where we get, we, yeah, you know what, Brother Paul, amen, I, me and Christ, we're one. But that's not where he stops. For we, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. I am a part of the body with you. You are a part of the body with them. We're all part of the body together. You can't just decide that you don't like that part. And then, you know, I'll stick around, but I'm not a part with them. You can't do that. If you do that, then God is not pleased. Because God, if you believe God, and you trust the leadership of the church, and you trust that God is leading the church, then you trust that God hath placed, He hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. The foolishness of the members, I need to hurry. We see their misunderstanding. That they think they're an island, but they're not. We see their mistake. They assume that because they have a different role uh, or, or another, that they're not really part of the body, or that that one's not really part of the body, but the truth is they are. We see the maker, and it is that God is the one who has designed our physical bodies, and it is God who has designed the body of Christ as it hath pleased Him. Then we see this, they are members. And what is a member exactly? The dictionary, 1828 dictionary, defines a member as a limb of animal bodies, as a leg, an arm, an ear, a finger, that is, a subordinate part of the main body. A member is not in control of the body. There is only one thing that's in control of the body. You know, what, you know what's in control of your body? You know why my hands just went up here to my head like this? Because my head said, hands, go up to your head. Amen. And when I stepped out on that ice block, it's because my head said, foot, ice. Amen. That's why. The head is in control of the body. The body can't really do anything without permission from the head. And when everything goes wrong, it's when the body stops listening to the head. And what is our head? 
price. We'll, we'll deal with that a little bit more here in a minute. I need to hurry. I need to hurry, hurry. Where's bread? I need you to stare at me, so I'll hurry. Amen. The formation of the body. Formation, that's how it's all lined up, and how it's supposed to be. Verse 20, let's read through this together. I'll hurry. But now are they many members, but yet, yet but one body. The eye cannot save the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. And let me point something out to you here. First we see under this idea of the formation of the body and how that it's supposed to be made, we understand first each, is, each member is individual yet combined. We are both individual and yet combined. Say, so, well, what does that mean? You just said we're not, oh no, I'm not an island, but I do have individual characteristics. Amen. My eye has characteristics that my ear does not have. My hand has characteristics that my feet do not have. I can't move my toes like fingers, and neither can you, I don't think. Amen. I've only got thumbs right here. My hand is a part of the body, so it is combined with my body, but it's got different attributes and different things than my foot has. And my eye can see, but it can't hear. And my ear can hear, but it can't see. And so we are individual members. We are different from one another. And we have different gifts, like we read there in the first part of the chapter. How that God has given to each severally according to His will. And that God has given us abilities that this one over here doesn't have, and that one over there doesn't have. Because we are different, but we're still one body. Many members, yes, but the hand's not the foot and the foot's not the hand. Each individual yet combined. Each is important and not cast off. Let me say that again. Each member is important and not cast off. Verse 21, the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. We need every part. We need every piece in its place. Say amen. We need you here. We need you here. We need you to be a part of the body. For the body to function properly, all the parts have got to do their job. And when one part stops doing its job and begins to stray and to go over here, then you wind up with problems. Amen. Amen. You wind up with problems when your eyes, they don't see like they should, or your ears don't hear like they should, or your leg hurts or your arm hurts. It, it throws the whole body into disarray, doesn't it? Amen. Well, you know, you think about how that's such a small thing. I think I mentioned last week about how when I messed up my toe that it messed up my entire walking scenario because of one little bitty spot on my toe that was just totally messed up and out of place. And that's the way it is in the body of Christ. That if you're not going to do what God wants you to do, and you're not going to be a part, that it's not going to work out. You know what else it means? That those of us who think we're in our place and we've got it figured out and we know what to do, it's not our job to come in and surgically remove all the parts that don't do exactly what we think they ought to. 
It's God's job. It's God's job to put us in our place and to keep us there. And don't step out of your place. Amen. That's what he's saying, isn't he? That the eye can't say to the foot, or what say, that the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Because you do. You can't do what they can do. Because you're your part, and they're their part. Are you understanding what the Lord is saying this morning? Are you understanding that it is not your job to figure out where everybody's supposed to be? It's God's job. Can you understand that it's not your job to set everything straight and, and to put everything in order? It's God's job. But it is your job to be a part and to be at peace with the body and to work in unity with the body and with Christ. You say, well, you know what? I just don't like it like that. And, and I, I just like to have control. Well, can, let me just tell you, you'll never have control of the body of Christ. You never will. Neither will I. Only God sets the members. Only God does it. And just because you look at someone or you look at something and you think, you know what, I don't like that or I don't like this or I don't like that, it's not your job to cast that off. It's not your job to push them out, and to push them away, and to push back. Because just because you're the eye and you think we don't need the hand, well, you didn't put that hand there, God did. Can we see that? Each individual yet combined. Each member is important, not cast off. Each member is invaluable, even if it's not comely. Verse 23. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. In the previous verses, he compared the ear and the eye. Which would you say is heralded as a more beautiful part of the body? The ear or the eye? The eye. He also compares the hand and the foot. Which part would you say is more comely? Would you rather see my hand or my foot? I'm not going to pop my shoe and my sock off this morning because I don't want you to see my foot either because it's a foot. You say, well, are you saying that I'm the foot? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying this. From man's perception, we like to look at things like this. There are a few things in life where God has declared a hierarchy. But did you know the hierarchy of God is never about value? It's about responsibility. The hierarchy of God is never about value. It's about accountability. That when God said that even as Christ is the head of the church, so is the husband the head of the home, he's saying this. When you stand before God, husband, you're going to answer for your house. He's not saying that you're the king, sir. No, he's saying one day you'll give an account, so be ready. Amen? It's about accountability. It's about responsibility. It's not about glory. It's never about glory. You know why? Because the only thing that I can glory in is the cross. That I'm saved. Nothing that I do will I ever receive glory from. And if I do, then it's wasted. All glory 
and all honor should be redirected toward Jesus Christ. Every single compliment, every single praise, and every clap of the hand should be for our God and not for men. And so when we look on those parts and we look on that eye and think, man, how beautiful those, those eyes are, those blue eyes, those green eyes or whatever, and we wouldn't think that about an ear, that's not the way we're supposed to look at the work of God. The way that we look at the work of God is this. They said like this, those things that we look at in the work of God and say, oh man, that's such a comely part, which means it's so attractive, and, and man, I just wish I could do that, and, and man, wouldn't you just love to be up there? That for us, we, we look at that and we think, oh man, that's the most honorable. That in the eyes of God, it's the uncomely parts that receive the most honor. Think about it like this there, when the Lord had gathered together and they were going to supper and they were all around and there was all those people of status. That woman came in, and she broke that box, and she began to clean his feet and to worship him. Oh, all the fancy and the powerful and the mighty, they went to stop her. And he said, no, 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 she, she has chosen that better part. That in his eyes, she was more beautiful than any of the wise, any of the expounding. Brother Paul, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a singer. I'm not a teacher. Oh, God loves you. In fact, you know what I believe sometimes? I believe the reason that God has given those of us who have the ability to sing and to preach and to teach and be out front, the reason He gave us those gifts is because we're so sorry that if He didn't, maybe we wouldn't even stick around. I hope that's not true of you. I hope that's not true of me. But those ones who are quiet, and they sit there, they don't ever get up and sing a special, and they don't ever get up and preach, and they don't have a Sunday school class, they go home, and they pray, and they give, and they work, and you don't know their name, and when somebody comes to visit this church, it's possible that they may go home, and have no idea who they are because they didn't get up and do something or be out in the front that in the eyes of God, they are receiving the most honor. Every single part is important. And in the eyes of God, every part of the body is invaluable. He doesn't want to lose a single one. And in his eyes, those that we would often view as lesser, weaker, uncomely, in his eyes, he bestows them more abundant honor. Let me hurry. And we see the fostering of the body in verses 25 and 26. That word foster means to cherish, to nourish, and to bring up together as a family. Now, there should be no schism in the body. That means that if we are going to foster the body as God wants us to, there should be no schism. You say, what's a schism? In a general sense, it's a division or a separation. Uh, but appropriately, a division or separation in a church or denomination of Christians occasioned by diversity of opinions. It's a breach of unity among people of the same religious faith. That's what a schism is. It's a breach of unity. And that he said this, 
that there should be no schism in the body. How are we going to do that? Well, first of all, by having every piece in its place, united in the Spirit, loving one another in Christ, and not looking down on one another or thinking more highly than we ought to think, but understanding our place is chosen by God and getting involved and being a part of the body and not being an island. Well, look, Brother Paul, I'll join and I'll get on the roll and I'll be baptized, but I'm going to sit in my spot. I'm not going to mingle in. I'm not going to mix in. I'm not going to be a part. Sure, I'm here, but it's me and mine and all of y'all. God hates that. There should be no schism. It's you and me and me and you and you together, each a part of the body of Christ and members one of another. That you're, The person sitting behind you and in front of you are your family. That we foster it together without schism. Amen. Can we see that in the Scripture? That God's desire is for us to be in unity. Amen. We should not have a breach of unity within the body of Christ. Imagine what the faith, what Christianity could accomplish if all the churches who are constantly at odds with each other and all the men in pulpits taking shots at all the other men in all the other pulpits would get over themselves come together in the understanding of faith in Christ and unity and go forth for the purpose of the gospel. What could we accomplish? But we can't because of schisms. Now I'm not saying there's not anything doctrinally that you've got to take a stand on. The Bible's clear about some separation. But a lot of times, you know what it is? Just pride. There's no doctrinal point to it. It's just pride and schisms. Without schisms, he says this, with the same care, but that the members should have the same care one for another. That we should love one another. As John said in 1 John 3.18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Amen. We ought to love one another and care about one another. Without schisms, with the same care, with shared situations. Verse 26 says this, whether one member suffer and all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. With shared situations in difficulties that we bear one another's burdens. I've been trying to preach it and trying to encourage you to pray for one another and to care for one another. And we've been lifting up those names of the ones who's, who's recently lost loved ones and hopefully you're praying for them and, and hurting with them. Amen. That when one member suffers, all members suffer with it. But not just in difficulties, but in dignities. Look, he said this, for one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Can I say that that seems to be much harder for Christians than being there when they're hurting? Sure, someone goes through a hard time and they're suffering, we can sort of put our pride aside and, and put troubles aside and say, well, you know what, they're going through it, let's help them out. But when it's all over and done with, we're back to being mad and angry. You know what really help us? If we could be happy when we see our brother or our sister honored. Say, well, Brother Paul asked them to sing again. Amen. Probably not. It probably wasn't me that asked, but you can put it on me. You should be glad. He asked them to teach a Sunday school class. Amen. You should be glad. You should rejoice when one of the members of your body is honored. That's a foreign concept. Because we allow envy and bitterness to come in. That should never be what's going on in the body of Christ. 
Finally, we see the first in the body. Verse 27, now ye are the body of Christ, members in particular. Whose body is it? Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Verse 18, For He is, and He is the head of the body, comma, the church. Who? Christ. Who's the head of the church? Who's the head of the church? Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead? that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. The first in the body is Christ. He is first. That word preeminent simply means first. Superior in excellence, distinguished, commendable, honorable, those are words that describe Jesus. He's our head. He is the one that makes all the decisions. He's the one at the top. He is the head honcho, if you will. The buck stops here. It's Christ. He is the shepherd. He's the head. He's the Lord. He's the king. It's by Him that everything was made and by Him that all things consist. The reason that the sun stays where it is because of Jesus. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that He upholds all things by the word of His power. The Bible tells us in John, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. You know who that is? Jesus. By Him was everything made that was made. That's Him. He is the preeminent. He's the first. He's the top. He's the beginning. He's our reason. He's why we gather. It's not so I can give you a little boost or, or give you a little something, maybe help you out or whatever. It's because of Him. He's the reason that we're together. If it wasn't for Him, you and I would not be friends. We would not be a part of this church and family. Say, well, you know, maybe we would. Maybe, but not all of us. There's only one thing that's brought us together. Christ. He is the bond that holds it all together. And it's His body, and He is the head. And until we understand that, we'll never have fullness. It pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. Isn't that what we're all looking for? Fullness. Brother Paul, I, I want my marriage to be full. That word fullness, you know, another word you could use there would be whole. Brother Paul, I want to feel whole, complete, full. 
That only comes through Christ. And that only comes by being in unity in the body of Christ. I mean, that's what we're talking about here in this passage, isn't it? Paul didn't throw in a... There's not an addendum here. No, there's not an additional thing. Verse 18, he's the head of the body, the church. A Christian cannot... Everybody look at me and listen. I'm done. The Christian, a Christian, a child of God, cannot experience fullness outside of the church. You can't be outside the church and at wholeness and fullness with God because He's the head of the church. His body is the church. Everything He does, He does now through the church. He established it with the foundation of His death, burial, resurrection, and the gospel. And if you've been saved, like He's read all those things in Colossians chapter 1, going down through all those things, how that He's washed us in His blood and He's brought us into the family of God and He's done all these things for us and that, that He is the Creator and all things consist. You cannot have wholeness without Christ. And you can't have it outside of the church. Because that's Him. What's the church? Who's the church? Well, the church is defined by one thing, and that's the head. We, He is first. He is the fullness. We must follow. Say, Brother Paul, I, I hear what you're saying, and I am saved, so I guess I am a part of the body. Amen. You're going to follow? Are you going to follow? Well, how am I supposed to know? Well, I'll tell you how one way you're supposed to know. First Peter told us that those of us here that the Lord has put here as the elders, that we're to be the overseers and to feed the flock, that it's my job as your pastor to lead you toward Christ, to point you toward Christ, to give you God's Word, to follow the Word of God. That's the mouthpiece of God. Jesus, the Word, it's all right here. Are you going to follow? Are you going to be a rebel? Can I tell you, the Bible doesn't paint rebels in, in a good light. What we need are followers, not of me, of Christ. Members, one body in Christ, and all members one of another. Let's stand. Let's bring it. Everyone bow your heads, please. Nobody looking around. I want to ask you, first of all, if there's anyone here this morning who can't honestly say, but Paul, I am a part of the body of Christ. He lives in me, and I'm in Him, and I'm saved, and I know if I die today, I go to heaven. If you can't say that, you can know today. You can leave here today whole. Full of Christ. No fear of hell. Assurance of heaven. If that's you this morning, I hope that you'll come. There's many people in here this morning that would love to bow down and pray with you. 
So, Brother Paul, I know I'm saved, but you know what? I just don't know about all this church business. Well, the problem with that is that the Bible tells us quite plainly, quite clearly, Christ is our head, and we are one body in Him. One body in Christ. We are His. It's not up to us to micromanage what God is doing. It's up to us to get in unity, to get together, dwelling together in unity. I told you, the unity of the body, the unity of the body of Christ is the brethren being united under our head together. Our head is Christ. Are you on board this morning? Are you on board with your church? with your pastor, with the leadership of your church, with your God? Are you in the place where God wants you? Are you the peace that's in its place, or are you that peace that's resisting? God has a great goal in mind for our church. He has wonderful things that He wants to do through you and through me, but we're going to have to get together and understand our place. We are all part of the body if we're ever going to see that done. Our God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for being kind, for being long-suffering. Thank you, God, Lord, that you've saved us, that you brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. God, thank you, Lord, for for reaching down in my heart and in my life and pulling me out, Lord, of the muck and the mire and bringing me into heavenly places. Lord, thank You, God, for calling me into the ministry, Lord, for for blessing me, Lord, and for, for, for just being good and for putting me in the church. God, I love the church. Lord, I'm thankful for the body of Christ. I'm thankful for each member, Lord, that's that's been such an encouragement, Lord, and a, such a such a positive force of good in my life. Lord, how that you brought me together with people throughout my lifetime, God, that have helped shape me, and Lord, that have helped, helped lead me and helped direct me, and, and that have brought me in and, and made me a part of the body. And God, I don't ever want to be a, a separated from that. Lord, I don't ever want to be taken apart from the body. God, I don't want to be removed. God, I want to be, I want to be in unity. God, I pray as one body in Christ this morning. Help me, God, to lead this church in my place. Help each member under the sound of my voice, God, that's here this morning, God. Help them, Lord, to find their place. Help them, Lord, to see the gift that You've given to them. Help them, Lord, to to step out on faith and to step into the role and and to step into the work of the ministry where You want them to be. God, if there's some here, Lord, who haven't joined in their heart or or they haven't joined the church or, God, they haven't given their heart, Lord, to the work and, and this is where You want them to be and they know it, God, I pray that You would have them, Lord, to understand. Lord, help them to surrender to the head. God, You cannot. You can't work outside the church. You can't work outside the body. We're not islands, God. We are all one body in Christ, and each member is one of another. Bring us together. Mold our hearts together. Work in us. We love You. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. 
If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.